Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and for the first time on this podcast, I can finally say a phrase that I've been wanting and waiting to say for a very long time. Ten years in the making. Carlton are playing finals footy. I cannot believe it. It feels like a dream. Nine wins in a row to get us there. And look, this is a big occasion. And it needed something special. So I'm so incredibly excited <laughs> and happy to say that this week I am joined by a man who deserves to experience this moment more than almost anyone else that I know. I'm so goddamn happy to be chatting with him again. It's been eight long weeks. I've been by myself. Eight weeks in the making. It is, of course, the lifeblood of this podcast. Oh. Mate, how good is this? And thanks and welcome. Come back. I love this. I love this. Oh, brother, brother. I've teared up enough this week <laughs> over the boys. Don't do it to me with the pod. It's good to be back. I've missed it so much. And yourself. Oh, it's great to have you back. Uh, you're still overseas at the mm-hmm. moment, but, you know, the, the wonders of modern technology. We're able to get you on here for a little bit. A little bit of a chat. You're going to be back for finals. And it's it's so funny because we spoke about this before you, you headed over to Europe that... Look, you've timed this pretty well because all of a sudden you're going to come back ready for the first week of finals. It's all going to happen. And then this season didn't really play out like that at all. And it almost became a bit of a a gag, to be honest, of, oh, well, you're coming back for finals after we've Mm -hmm. literally lost six in a row. I think it was like eight losses, one win in nine weeks of football. But here we are, mate. It's worked out for the best. You're coming back, playing finals. What's it feel like? I tell you what, I, I did cop it a fair bit just before I left because I was spouting off at the start of the year when we were, whatever it was, three and a half wins in. And I was like, yeah, I got this big Europe travel planned and I'll be back, baby. Finals, flaggers. <laughs> um, yeah, I know I'm the bad omen. I know no one wants me to come back. Uh, but now that we're locked in, glad that I can come back on the pod and you know make it official that I'll, I'll be back and we'll be in the G together in a couple of weeks time which we were talking to texting with Baz this morning and he's you know asking how's it feel and it it still really doesn't feel real mm. I feel like it'll only feel real when I'm there I think so it's it's incredible experience right now and I just I love it and I'm going to throw this straight away over to everyone listening to this if you're on YouTube just yeah. throughout this whole episode just chuck in the comments how you're feeling what it felt like at that final siren what finals means to you right now what the 10-year journey has meant every single thing that you're feeling I want to know I want to know your experience I want to know your journey what it's been like you following Carlton and if you're listening in podcast yeah. form head over to the socials at Navy Blue Corner chuck us a DM tweet at us, do whatever you need to do. I'm keen to hear from everyone because that's what this is all about. This podcast has been just a diary of us every single week uh, throughout this period. And it's just incredible. This is what it's all about. And there's still more to go. I cannot wait. And and look, Lockie, obviously we've touched on it. You're over in Europe. You've had a different experience watching this run. You were obviously here for the first two wins against the Gold Coast and then Hawthorne it's very different to the run that that everyone else has kind of had here. I just kind of want to know what that experience has been like watching Carlton from afar, watching this magical run week to week. What, what has your journey been like so far? Uh, Thoughts about it. I mean, firstly, it's been very comforting to be able to still listen to you every week on the pod. That has been a staple for me. A lot of these games have been, you know, watching on my phone from bed 
at like 6am <laughs> with the time difference. So it's been nice to be able to, you know, still engage with the community on Twitter and, and hear your thoughts after the games. But yeah, it's been so different week to week. Like got to watch the St Kilda game with friend of the pod, J-Rob, uh, when we were in Croatia a few weeks ago. That's probably the highlight for me, uh, being able to like share mm. that with him and that St Kilda game. Probably, uh, maybe my, the most enjoyable game of this run for me, even though God, it's like picking between, yeah, mm. picking your favourite child, I guess, with the, with all these wins. There's, there's something so special about each of them. So, um, yes, one more game to go over here. Should be in a London pub mm. next Sunday. And then, yeah, like I said, um, it'll be you and me having a beer at the G before the big one. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. And look, throughout this run, obviously I've been able to chat to you a little bit, but not on pod. And so I really want to hear this yeah. on the record and everyone else wants to hear this as well because <laughs> I've had a lot of guests and I've asked their thoughts and know, and wanted to know what they were feeling throughout this run. But yours is the opinion I care for the most. Um, nothing against the other ones. I love them. Love them so much. But obviously the OG right here. So when did you, I guess, truly start believing with this run because you were a lot more positive than I was, certainly. You know, we just lost six in a row and you were still there believing strong. I was hoping there was a still a bit of a glimmer of hope, but you definitely seemed to be a lot more glass half full than I was. So was there kind of a moment throughout this nine-game yeah. win streak where you thought, okay, yep, yeah, the boys have arrived. We're making finals. This is real. I believe now. Mm. Wow, that is such a hard question. It's so hard to get, like, not have hindsight in this situation. Mm. I remember I remember when you and I, like, we, I remember the Essendon game. That was, like, that was, like, mm. the big flattener for me. Even though I remember saying on the show, like, oh, there was something in this that felt like a turn. Mm. That, it just, that just completely took the wind out of my sails. And so even though we were, like, reasonably optimistic looking back on the mid-year review. I loved how you went through that last week and I could not believe <laughs> that we were like, you know, like, yeah, okay, it could still make finals because every non-Carlton person had obviously completely written us off and mm. wanted to ship us down to Tassie. Um, in terms of the game, yeah, I mean, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is probably the Port Adelaide game. Yeah. Because so many like all the non-Carlton people immediately pointed their fingers at like the injuries, the players I had out, which I just did not buy into that. That was a real, real dominant performance by us against the, one of the contending teams. And they remain one of the contending. That was probably the game where I was like, okay, I, I really, I probably wasn't thinking even finals then. It just felt like, okay, we don't have to burn this down. We are still on track. It may still not be our year this year, but I, I still believe that this group and Vossi is going to be the one. I mean, God, who could have... No one no one could have predicted that this would just be genuinely genuinely nine wins on the trot. It, just, mm. it oh. still does not feel real to say. And it's one of those things that throughout this run, like, you know, it's been, oh my God, we've won seven in a row, it's eight in a row, it's now nine and... I feel like because we just keep saying another win, like it's so hard to truly make sense of what this achievement is. And I try to keep bringing it up. Yeah. And even when I do it, it just, it, it doesn't feel as big as it should 
weirdly. And, and I just feel like that's maybe because sure. we're not able to process it just yet. And, and I go back to that, the mid-season review of thinking about, okay, to make finals from here and let's just, let's have the conversation for the sake of having it because that was our target. Yep. Looks unlikely, but we're pretty much can only drop two games for the rest of the season. We've got to be basically near perfect. And I mean, I didn't expect us to be 100% perfect and win every single game, but to do that yeah. from the point of, we lose that Gold Coast game, there's a good chance they sack Vossi. You know, like that that wasn't as much totally. as the club was saying, okay, no, he's our man. Like if you lose by 60 points or something ridiculous against Gold Coast at home, what do yeah. you do? And then the next week, if you lose again, and if this just kept Hold happening on, yeah. and you weren't able to turn this around, no one was safe. We were talking about the players need to get moved on. And obviously we we're having these discussions because what else was there to talk about? Every single week on the yeah. podcast, it was... <laughs> We've repeated the same thing. I don't know what we're doing anymore. What are we even, why are we doing the podcast? Because this isn't yep. enjoyable. I didn't feel like we were able to add anything because you're just watching us lose the same way, play the same way. And there was just no enjoyment from it yep. to turn this around to the point where we're playing the best football in the competition. Every single thing that was going wrong before has been flipped on its head one of the key things, even just trying to reflect, was mm. how every single we went we went through and asked how many players are playing better than they were oh. last year, and it was like oh maybe God. two. So and now we're playing in this system where the with the buy-in that's going on, every single player is playing better than they've ever played before, and it almost mm -hmm. feels as if it does not matter who comes in. Harry Lemmy could come in, <laughs> you know, O'Keefe could come in, guys that aren't probably ready for AFL football and you kind of feel as if they'll be fine because there's a belief because the system's there and just that turnaround is mammoth credit to every single person at this club. Vossi needs so much credit for this because it was, it felt like it was his head on the chopping block. You know, you look at him second time coaching, everything was on the line for him, reputation, all of that. And it's, it's just mm. been, Absolutely mammoth. And it leads me to the question that I, I don't know if you've got a full, fully fledged answer just yet, but okay. it's been 10 years since we've made finals. This whole journey, everything that's transpired, the heartache of last year, the heartache of this whole rebuild, how many coaches and false dawns can we have? What does making finals mean to you? And then how far do you actually think we can go? And, and give me a why reason of why we can go further in finals. Oh, God. This is it's so a big much. one. It's so, oh, it genuinely gets me emotional thinking about it. I guess, wow. I mean, I'll start with the end. I genuinely do think that we can win the flag this year mm. and said that at the start of the season. Um, yeah, uh, that's exactly what you and I text each other immediately after every single one of these games. Mm. It's like, as each of these teams fall and teams are in down patches and now we've beaten Melbourne, we've beaten Collingwood, play Brisbane down here. Why couldn't we beat anybody? Mm. Like that just, I know it's hard to do from an elimination spot, but there's just no reason for me not to have, no. not to have the faith that we can do it. Particularly if, particularly if we go into that elimination final fully healthy and oh. other teams aren't that, can't overstate how much of a difference that makes because we've been mm. doing this with not our best guys out in the park. 
what it means, like making the finals. I mean, it's just <clears throat> it's it's just been year after year of hope, hasn't it? Mm. Like the how the Malthouse era ended, and then when we signed up for the Bolton era, we knew it was going to be short term pain, but we were going to get there in the end. And then there was just years there where it just felt like it was never going to come. Mm. And then we can go back and listen to our episode from one year ago. Did we even do an episode? Actually, I can't remember if we even did a Collingwood episode. We we did, but we had to. We genuinely. This is how much it, it affected us. We had to take a week off before we were able to even yeah. record. And I was trying to look at old tweets. I was trying to see it, it posts we made just to try and put myself back in that feeling. And it was just that was the worst feeling ever as a Carlton supporter. But the the one thing that was getting me through was thinking can the boys just use this and surely we come back stronger next year? And I guess it, it we maybe didn't get the response as quick as possible. It didn't happen yep. as a linear line like we thought it might have, but in the end, I think it has. I think that all the trauma, everything that's gone on has built these boys stronger. And it it weirdly, and it's it's like almost that Hollywood script of, Weirdly, I'm glad we had that heartbreak because it makes this mean so much more. Yeah. It feels a bit symbolic now. I didn't even think of this in the moment. But yesterday, as I was just kind of going and watching some highlights from games earlier in the year and stuff, I went back and watched the highlights from round 23 last year because I actually have never, I had never until yesterday seen the end. I had... I had my head in my hands in the stands when they were taking that ball forward and I have stopped myself from ever actually seeing that goal go through and seeing, yeah, just the end of that game. And, yeah, so I guess that was, like, the big part of it as well, just that we were the laughing stock last year mm. or the laughing stock 10 weeks ago. Um, and now I'm just mm. sitting on about 200 receipts, as I know you are, <laughs> just waiting to unleash at anybody that comes at me. Oh, it's massive. It's massive. And like with Carlton, and I, and I know this is probably you as well. It's going to be a lot of people listening to this, particularly in our age group that we were born late 90s. So we didn't see good yep. Carlton. The only part of Carlton being the best team in the AFL, it's stories passed on. We've never really witnessed it. My first yep. early memories of Carlton was winning wooden spoons and being, it was the first wooden spoon for Carlton and, you know, it's it's what happens when you're when you're young, when you're in school, get you get, you know, a little bit teased and bullied for the team you support, particularly if they're not doing well. And pretty much yeah. apart from a little bit in the 2010s, you have felt a little bit embarrassment to kind of go for Carlton and and say you're a Carlton supporter to people. You know, if you meet someone new and they yeah. ask you what team you go for, you I know myself, like I've almost protected myself in a way where when someone asks me you kind of you preemptively put your team down a little bit you go oh Carlton, mm. yeah gee, we haven't been playing pretty well like you're ready for I it so you don't get that hurt and it's kind of been like that where i've wanted so much to just be able to confidently go out and know that we're going to be one of the better teams and know that the flack doesn't matter because we've we've achieved something and i know mm. it's only finals it's not it's nothing at the end of the day but to have not done anything for 10 years and not been able to be in this position, it's incredible the feeling of knowing like, who cares? We've done it. You can't say anything anymore. We're not the chokers anymore like last season. You've got no more ammunition. 
we're back. We are well and yeah. truly back. And, and I'm so proud to be able to not be embarrassed about the team I support because we're great now. Oh, I really love that reflection. That is so true from when we were younger. And that makes me realise just how proud I've been over here. Like, as everyone says, this Europe, this time of year is just 50% Australians. And every time I hear an Australian accent, I'm like, oh, so who are you following the footy? Just so I can just tell them and they can tell me how bloody good the baggers are right now, <laughs> which is just the best. Uh, it's absolutely insane. But look, we, we've chatted too much about all of the, the sappy stuff, all, all of this. Before, we haven't even started on the beautiful game that was, was played to get us into finals, to lock that away. So let's crack on. Let's talk about it. Do a, a match review. It feels so long. I'm very excited to get right. into this. We'll kind of go through it a little bit quarter by quarter in a way. I feel like I've been doing that the last few weeks because of the storyline of the game. It works again this week. And yeah, going into it, very similar situation to last year. One win, two games left. Get the win, secure finals. But the confidence was a lot higher than last year. And look, the issue was we came out of the blocks and we're down 33 points at quarter time. We then proceed to be down 40 points early into the second quarter against Gold Coast. Up on the Gold Coast, I guess. What was kind of going through your head during that first quarter to get us down by 40 points? And did you think we were any chance of getting back into hmm. this game? What were, you, what were your feelings around what, what you were saying? I don't want to ditch my <clears throat> genuinely, a generally optimistic tone on this podcast, but I feel like before each game, the past maybe month, I'm thinking to myself, one of these games, mm. we are not going to rock up. <clears throat> it, like it's, that's not a Carlton thing. That is any team. Any team yeah. that is on a massive winning streak is going to have a game where they just fuck it up. And my God, they looked like they just... I can't remember seeing a player run in that first quarter. Oh. It was just like we were just jogging everywhere. Mm. So, but of course, of course, had to have faith that we could still turn it around because once I hear Vossi at quarter time, everything could turn around. But it was just the perfect storm, I feel. There was, there had to be a, honestly, maybe this is a silly take. I'm glad that we got that kind of out of the way. Yeah. Like a really shit Mm. start like that, like that wake up call, if you want to call it that. Oh, you've nailed it. Like best way to like be taught a lesson and still win the game. So it necessarily doesn't matter because nothing ended up happening from it. We still got the win and I was similar to you. Like I wasn't, I wasn't worried or nervous going into the game, but there's always that little thought of, okay, it's been a big eight weeks. Like we've had to be perfect to get to this spot, particularly the last three weeks, Collingwood, then you play St. Kilda and you really have to, to come from behind to win that game. Melbourne was an absolute slog. We know the amount of injuries we've had. So many players look pretty beaten up. Cripper one looks like he's running on fumes at the moment. Doherty another. So yeah. many of these players have just been battered and bruised, having to play to the final siren. And you just do ask, like, is this just one game too many? Like, can you... How hard is it to continually back this up every single time? But the frustration, I guess, was around that the job wasn't done. We still did need one more win to secure finals. And I guess yep. it starts to seep in the, the questions of, oh, no, did we, did we get ahead of ourselves? Did we think just because <laughs> we've beaten Melbourne and now we come up against a poorer Gold Coast team that it's, it's just going to be easy, sunny on the Gold Coast? All these questions get raised and... Like yeah. the old 
what's massive is the old Carlton crumble here. You know, it, it felt eerily similar yeah. to last year in the maybe Adelaide game where it's like, okay, just get a win, go away against a poor opposition and just straight away out of the blocks. We're jumped. We don't look on. We're not running. We're not working hard. The pressure is just not being applied. It's not what Carlton, the Carlton we've seen for the past eight weeks. I, I, I What's funny yeah. is I did tweet at the time yeah, so when it's... we hit the biggest <clears throat> deficit at 40 points and I was, it's weird. I don't know what Carlton have done to me over these eight weeks, but I was so weirdly not phased. I was sitting there in the living room being like, ah, oh, I'm calm. I feel like this, I feel like we can turn this around. And the reason was that I tweeted at the time was everything to do with Gold Coast was pressure and work rate. Mm. It felt so similar to that St. Kilda game where they were running at 200% and that wasn't sustainable. Their pressure, I didn't feel like they could do that for four quarters and their scoring source wasn't sustainable either. Five of their seven goals were from turnover. They weren't generating it from anywhere else. And while the lead was way bigger than it should have been and we weren't playing well, we didn't seem switched on and I was still worried about the margin being as big as it was. All I could think of is, okay, it's similar to that St. Kilda game. All we need to do is literally get the hands on the ball, control the tempo, slow it down, because it, it felt like Gold Coast are bringing the pressure and we were trying to almost fight fire with fire, go quick, and it just wasn't giving us time to make that decision. We were turning the ball over, making silly errors, and in my head, I'm going, mm. this feels controllable. Everything that's going poorly for us, it seems like it's something we can fix. Will we mm. fix it? I don't know, but there was just a calmness, maybe because of yeah. what they've been able to do to instill belief in me in the last eight weeks, but also because of how if all we do is bring some bring some heat, bring the pressure back up, start working hard, slow the game down, bring the contested side back into it, get our midfield rolling, get a couple of chances, I just backed us in. But I definitely still didn't expect us to then, after I sent that tweet, kick the next seven goals without a reply. They made me look like an absolute genius, so... Absolutely. Big thanks to Carlton for making me look like Nostradamus. I uh, I definitely did not. I was expecting like maybe kick the next three, but the seven, the seven was absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised you didn't do more to rub that in everyone's faces and make sure <laughs> it was very well known. Chuck a screenshot of it on the Insta story or something. So good for you for being humble with that take. But yeah, no, I definitely agree with everything you said. I, I, also, I also found it funny. I felt like the commentators were quite calm too. We like, we kicked that, f- the first goal to like, you know, the first time that we took the margin mm. back a bit and they're like, yeah, like all Carlton really has to do is win this quarter by a couple goals and the next quarter by a couple yeah. and the last by a quarter and, and they'll do mm. it. And it's like, yeah, like why is this insurmountable for us? We have the capability to pile goals on and we also have the mm. ability to not let teams score for mm. long periods. So, oh. Mate, in, in typical Ian Rant fashion, which we've probably missed because I've had to be quite polite with guests, so maybe we're getting it now, but the commentary was actually frustrating me a lot in the first and second quarter because all I kept saying is, oh, we need to do a uh, a head count out there because, uh, gee, Gold Coast, it looks like they've got bloody 50 players out there. And I was like, is that the analysis that you've got? Because you could have given me so much more. All you could have said was their pressure's yeah. up. They're able to outnumber because of the turnover. It's catching the defensive system of Carlton out. But then none of that. It was just horrific 
analysis. And then when we started to get on top in that second quarter, all they said was, well, I mean, Gold Coast, their pressure's down. And I was like, can you explain why their pressure's down? Because it's clear it's, we've got the ball. We're not letting them get into it. We've slowed it down. It was just like, are you that dumb that you can't explain to me what is happening, that you just have to talk in like weird isms and just no explanation on anything? It was very uh, frustrating on on my end. I don't know if anyone else felt that too. Um, But the second quarter was unbelievable. Charlie kicks four of his six to boot. We've got seven unanswered goals. We ended up trailing by two points at halftime. From this, I have to ask, is Charlie Kerno the best player in the competition? He's definitely the best forward in the competition. I'll take that to my take that to my grave for sure. It's insane. I've, so I sick, like... so sick of the free kick narrative. If anyone watched this game, they would understand that that narrative is just bullshit. Look, that's a fine answer. I feel like you're still on holiday mode, and I'm not enjoying that. I wanted you to fire up. I wanted you to come in with a hot take, say he's 100% the best player in the competition. Because, look, as far as the impact on a team right now, if we're talking right now, who is currently doing more for their team in every capacity possible on an AFL ground? I think right here, right now, he's he's the informed player. He looks like the best player in the competition. His field kicking is incredible. His pressure's there. I, I haven't seen anyone when the ball just yeah. comes in and there's four people on him somehow still mark it one-handed. He, he's just he's a marvel. And he, he really turned the game on. And sometimes you need that. You need one of your stars to step up and give you the spark in this contest. And while we still had the ball in good areas and we were doing all the right things and he was the one to get on the end of it. It did still, even though he, he sort of stepped up, it felt like anyone could have throughout that second quarter is not to take away from Charlie, absolutely dominating, but it still felt as if, if Charlie wasn't there, someone else would step up and kick these goals. And it was just the way we were able to wrestle the control back into that game. As soon as we did get back into it, was that where you started to go, okay, this is ours. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like even even at quarter time, it just didn't feel it just didn't feel that dire. I don't know, like like the yeah, mm. there's just no reason anymore to not have faith yeah. in, in these guys. Um, but yeah, Charlie is obviously incredible, adding like at, genuinely adding strings to his bow. Mm. Every passing game now, everyone wants to talk about him going back in defence and. You know, it's just it, it is just mm. incredible, and and also I mean, you know, your favorite guys, the the commentators on this call, which I did not enjoy. They they said that him and Weidering are the only guys that have played every game this year. Just another stupid reminder of where he was two years ago mm. to where he is now. Yeah. Like we forget about that. We forget about the fact that he was could have been done, career done, so mm. now. That's just, oh, just silly. We were. We were genuinely going, look, can he ever come back? Every time it felt like he was close, there was another injury setback. And then even when we did finally see him, I just remember thinking, oh, no. Like, I know he's rusty, but is he still as athletic as he was? Are we getting anything close to what we used to get with Charlie? You just didn't know what he was going to come back and do and for yep. him to win the Coleman in the first year back 
And then to do this now, it's he's just a ridiculous, ridiculous. kind of player. Um, looking into that third quarter, we obviously start to dominate, yep. but don't put it on the scoreboard. We kicked mm. – oh, what, what do I have here? Let me have a look. We scored one goal, seven to Gold Coast, two goals straight. Yeah. Were you at all worried – going into that final term, still not in front and thinking, have we maybe wasted our chances and looking back at maybe what you felt in that first quarter of expelling so much energy before this game then having to expel and use up so much just to get back into this game, just to get the score level, we are worried that we'd maybe wasted our opportunity. Yeah, a little bit. I I think because that's like one of the demons of old, I feel. Like that feels Mm. like a... That feels like a Carlton of old thing, wasting opportunity. Like how many times have we talked on a podcast in a loss where it's like, well, we really could have just won that game if yeah. we just kicked goals instead of behinds when we should have. Um, so, yeah. And also just kind of the, you know, Vossi spoke a fair bit about the, like, end of game simulation and stuff and that it's kind of working well for us now where it didn't in the past. And teams like Collingwood, they maybe not now, but they seem to always win those close mm. ones. That's like, well, we have had a very good run with these close games. Like that also can't go on forever. And, mm. you know, we're going to talk about the fourth quarter, but, it, you know, it very, very, very easily could have been a loss mm. uh, out of our control if, if Anderson just kicked straight. So oh. there's definitely a bit of nerve in the third. Mm. Oh, for sure. I was very, I was very similar. Um, and then yeah, let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about that last quarter because it almost looked like we had wrapped up this game at some stage. There was a oh, there was probably ten or so minutes to go, leading by eleven points. Finally got the margin back. It felt like okay, we're just going to run over the top of them now. It's ours. Gold Coast have nothing to play for. Here we go. And then all of a sudden, almost immediately, Gold Coast get one back. We're set up for another tight finish, I guess. How are you feeling in those last few minutes? Take me through your reaction to that final siren and that huge Charlie Curto mark to save the game. How did it all play out for you? Oh, I'm with you. When when Owies kicked that goal, yeah. I texted mum straight away and I was like, we've won. Because she wasn't watching the game, so I was just giving her updates. I was like, no, nah, that's it. They're not kicking two goals in whatever it was, like three minutes. And uh, yeah, far out, far out. So, so, so stressful. So good for Charlie. I love it, Vossi said. Like, that was the plan, but even if we said, don't go down there, I think he probably still would have. Um, so, yeah, that was his moment to, mm. to prove that he's, he's the best. He was the best player on the field. And, yeah. Mm. But, yeah, I'm, I'd love us to not put ourselves in these situations. But at least, at least we can know that we have a fair shot now. Mm. Any time we're, we're there. Yeah, it, we've tried this a few times, chucking Charlie back, and it seems to have worked. And it's just nice to yeah. know we've clearly learnt something from last year in these tight moments. Obviously, so many things could go different ways, and maybe there's a massive part of luck what of what's happened this year when you look at the March yeah. Bank touch. We've got Anderson missing one here and, and, and everything that transpires, but... You could easily argue last year we were incredibly unlucky with how things played out. Exactly and that's just, right. Just footy karma playing that role, the footy gods looking after us after hurting us last season. But hmm. to, to hold on and, and have this part of our game now where it's building that belief, I guess what do you kind of mm. – does this – 
build a lot of confidence for you? Like what, what do you, how significant do you mm. feel like this is that we've had these experiences in recent weeks, being able to hold on or come from behind and then hold on in these close games with a lot riding on the line. Yeah. What, what, what can that do for, I guess, the belief of this group? I think, I think it is real. Like you heard, you heard Weedering say it. I've heard a, a whole bunch of, the players say it in the recent weeks about like winning differently and winning mm. and being able to win in different ways. So I feel like that's, that's significant. Um, you know, when you're down by 40 points, you have to have, I believe that you have to have that kind of, mm. you have to have done it before to be able to at least have the belief that you can do it again. Um, we saw what we were like last year in those, tight games at the end. Like it was just panic stations. Nobody had any confidence in themselves. It's way too far to say that that is fixed because particularly in that Melbourne game, uh, uh, as you spoke about on the podcast last week, it was like, um, you know, yeah, there's a few moments that it was like, Oh, I don't know if we've learned our lesson with that kick and that decision. Couple of corridor kicks under not much pressure and going, what are you doing? You're, t- you're just trying to hand it straight to the opposition. But, we love that. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I do think we've still, uh, obviously close games are going to happen. You're going to lose a close game at some stage, but uh, I yeah. agree with you. We were panicking so much last season when this happened. Not one thing was going right. Now there's still some panicking. It's going to happen. You're under pressure, but overall yeah. everything feels a little bit more composed. It feels like we do understand to an extent, what you're meant to do in these situations and where you're meant to set up. Unfortunately, in in that Anderson shot on goal, Holland sort of lacks off for a little bit and all of a sudden Anderson gets that space and snaps around and you think, oh no, is that our season? Disappeared. But for the most part, we were doing the right thing. Um, But one of the other big parts of of this last quarter that maybe hasn't been spoken about enough is... Obviously, we came back from 40 points and we held on at mm. the end, but twice in that last quarter, we were trailing by 13 points. I think it oh. was. And you know, they get two goals up. We kick one back. They immediately put it back to 13 points. What for you is kind of more impressive for you? Is it coming back from 40 points mm. and winning or is it coming back twice in a last quarter from a 13-point deficit when... Again, this older Carlton, that happens yeah. when, you, when you haven't been on top all game. You've had the moment. You've brought the game back to, to level. They put the lead back out. You try to bring it back. They go, no, it's game over. Which one's more impressive for you? Yeah, I honestly have to say the 13 points because it just, in those last quarters, that's when it feels like, uh, I've already said this phrase, but like the demons kind of showing of like, oh, we're going to have to kick another three goals in this fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I think when, when there's the three quarters ahead of you, it's like, well, yeah, just mathematically it feels like we're the better team. We know that we can just win all these quarters. But when it gets mm-hmm. down to the, to the end, it's like, well, it feels like it lucks a bit more at play here. So it's, yeah. But yeah, it's just such a, a crazy game that we can now have all this belief that in mm. those moments that we can do anything. And like you spoke about last week, it's like when you thought that goal went through, it's like, all right, well, clearance, goal, yeah. and then we'll win. Like that's all we have to do. And we, we wouldn't have said that in the past. 
No, definitely not. You know, to have to have the determination and belief to to pull through, it's something I've never seen with a Carlton team. That's again showing my age because even in the 2010s with the best Carlton team I've witnessed up until now, you know, they were good, but it, it did feel as if we were always maybe waiting for a moment from a player like a Chris Judds. It, it, we were needing someone else to maybe stand up in those key moments. It didn't feel as if the whole group was there and able to do it. Whereas now, and obviously you have still have Charlie lifting up, but we didn't feel reliant on one individual. Everything feels like a collective, like every single player here is buying in when they're down and out, we're finding a way everyone is stepping up to do the little things, whether it's an extra chase, whether it's getting your hands on someone. So they do f- stuff the kick up rather than, than have that clear path without any pressure. It's just, it's so crazy. And that, that final siren goes and it's just, it's one of those moments where, and it, it's, I don't want to get too carried away because it's literally just us making finals. The job's not done. Immediately after that, you just go, I want more than finals. But it, it clearly for us as fans and the club, knowing our past 10, 20 years, this is a big moment. But when that final siren goes, there's that just bit of disbelief of, did we just do it? Did we just make this happen? It doesn't feel real at all because, you know, think about it. Last time we played finals, what we were 17 years old like as much as we thought we knew footy and we're into it then everything's just grown so much more from then we do a podcast now every single bit of time and energy feels like it goes into the Carlton Football Club you know just the mental side of it every single week and man the investment feels like it's finally paying off and those are just the little things you start to think of I was genuinely shaking after that siren went and I was very fortunate, had a mate's birthday party drinks straight after that, that I just could not wait to get to. It was party time for me. And I just, even I tried to watch the, the um, that final few minutes back just before we started recording this podcast and even just seeing the reaction of the players. Oh, I just, it was genuine, like starting to tear up because I'm just so happy for them almost more than anything else. These boys have copped so much and, for them to do what they're doing now, I'm just, I'm just so pr- happy, so proud. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? I think I liked how, you know, I'm talking about this a bit. I just watched it earlier, the, the Vossi press conference where mm. he's kind of like, we're not reflecting, we're not reflecting yet on like yeah. this time. We're taking the learnings, we're living in the now. But having said that, it's going to be, this is going to be a beautiful thing for us to reflect yeah. on once the job's mm. done. And I think I'm kind of, I'm a bit in that kind of mindset too. Like it's, yeah, there's, there's so much to reflect on through this period and so many of the individuals that are part of this story that you just want to single out and be like, wow, this guy is here now from where he Mm. was in the past and it just gets you out. And I'm I'm already fantasizing about what that premiership Mm. will look like and, I think uh, Robbo and I were talking about this after some killed a game and just going through like like each player when they get called up for that premiership medal, like oh. Jack Silvani, number one, the first bloke up there and just how like the emotion behind each of these guys in this team and and when they get there, it's going to be special. And mm. 
I really believe it, it's possible mm. this year. Oh, and I do agree with you as well. I feel like as much as it is easy to enjoy it all now, it is still hard to 100% enjoy it because as soon as you go, yes, we've made finals, you get that relief of finally being able to witness it. Your mind just yeah. straight away goes, no, goalposts have shifted. It's not just about finals. Truly, you haven't had truly. this run of nine wins in a row just to play one final and say, well done, boys. Pat on the back. It's like, no, we we can win this. Yeah. We've beaten just about anyone you need to beat right now. The belief's up. The goalpost has moved to, yeah, let's win a flag because we're one of eight teams that have a chance of doing it. Why not us? We're the informed team. Yeah. There's no reason why we can't do why it. You us. put yourself, you give yourself the opportunity to do it. That should be the goal. And, and that's kind of where I'm sitting as well. It's just job's not done. So I can't truly sit back and just be too happy yeah. because I want more. And going on from kind of what you did say previously there was we've kind of won in just about every single way possible now. Like we've pumped teams. Seriously. We beat a contender in Collingwood and we didn't falter when we were tested from them as well. Came back from the deficit in the last quarter against St. Kilda, held on for dear life against Melbourne. Now we've gone from a massive deficit in a game and then we all of a sudden come out, get the lead, hold on in the dying seconds. Is this the best possible finals preparation you could have? And... (laughs) Off trying to maybe go a bit more balanced, looking at it a different way as well. What yep. do you have any doubts still about this team or any areas that we still need to improve on if we are to mm. see that final glory in September? Wow. The first thing that comes to mind, and I know we'll talk about this in the listener questions, but I want to chuck it in here. I even though we're getting players back next week, I do think there's going to be some guys coming out for them for resting. I do think that yeah. is what we're going to do. So there's that question mark of like the dynamics when we get into that first final, I think, particularly the midfield is what I'm thinking about. So even though we've done so well to like prove ourselves with these wins, it, it really has been with a bit of a different mix each week. Um, so we're going to have to get these guys that, are some of our best players back into this team and and kind of hope that it all kind of works the same way. Um, let me keep thinking about it. What what, what mm. comes to mind for you? Yeah. Oh, well, I definitely think it's the best preparation possible because... The, oh, I yeah. Just, oh, man. Of course. I, and I assume you obviously are thinking the same. Just yeah, yeah, as yeah, yeah, in yeah. There's... Because we've been able to win in so many different ways, it's almost just prepared us perfectly for each different scenario. There's almost no more real question marks on what we're able to do. And then touching on what you almost started this match review on about talking about the slow start and the fact that we almost needed a bit of a wake up call at some stage was hoping that wasn't going to be a loss. And maybe that's the way you need to do it in. Okay. Look, if we're not 100% switched on, this is what can happen. And you've got the reality check. So I am pretty confident in that. I do agree with you with the mix and you're bringing some players in that haven't played a lot of football. What's that going to be like? How's it all going to gel? Still have 100% faith that these players are good enough to just jump in and, and sort it out. But 
you do kind of want to see it. And maybe it's not the greatest preparation that we haven't had two, three games with this whole group. Mm. It's going to be a bit disjointed, but maybe yep. the competition on the flip side is what's best to get the, the most out of these guys. Um, I, I think if there's mm. any question marks or things potentially to improve on is maybe just adjusting a little quicker in game. Because yeah, if sure. there's if there's any if there's a couple of issues, it's probably the St Kilda game where they sort of got the jump on us, and then this one, it feels like it almost took us till the quarter ended for us to really. Vossi gets to talk to us now. We switch mm. on, whereas potentially in finals, if we do have any of these little blips, which I don't expect us to have them as bad as in these games, but Fair if enough. something does happen that goes against us do we need to just be a little bit quicker to adjust in quarter? Cause you know, God forbid something like that does happen. You're mm. not going to come back from a 40 point deficit in a final. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really good point, but it's, it's hard because when, like when you're watching the game and you're thinking, they just look sluggish. They don't mm. look like they're giving it that pressure that they've had. Like, what is it like apart from like a quarter circuit breaker, I don't really understand what it is that can just mm. like, is it a, unless it's like an individual like moment, like a, an yeah. act by someone like it's, it's such a strange game that, that we can look so different between quarters. Mm. But I agree with you. And I also, I agree with you. I, I'm not expecting anything like this to happen in finals. And I think this is very circumstantial. Mm. Like when was the last time we played a good game up at this bloody stadium? <laughs> it, it feels like a long time. So oh. It's been it's been a very very long time, and on this run that we've had as well, another reason why I guess we're just also confident about what's going on, and about why this is such good preparation as well. And I want to talk almost about the mental side here because this mm. journey has almost just been one about righting all the past wrongs. And you kind of mm -hmm. look at this: you haven't been on the podcast for eight weeks or whatever it is now. And you don't have the run sheet in front of me, in front of you, and you've already just segued into the next point I wanted to talk about because, yeah, you know, you're welcome. In this run, we've beaten Collingwood, who broke our hearts last year, took finals away. We beat St Kilda, a team that's always caused us issues. Whenever it feels like we need a win, and then maybe not in the best form, they just beat us, and we finally were able to turn that around. Held on against Melbourne in almost a like for like game last year when yep. they also took finals away from us. And that was also probably the start of that doubting the last few minutes of a game. All of a sudden, we, we have that loss and the, the week later against Collingwood, okay, it happened last week, it's going to happen again. And, and then you look at yeah. the Gold Coast game, we beat them. Another team like St. Kilda that seems to have caused just so many issues, particularly at that Gold Coast ground, just Ratten mm. gets sacked after a loss there. There's that Bose late goal that just bounces over Mitch Yuck. McGovern's head on the goal line. Even last year, you know, we started yeah. our beautiful run to start the season. Great. Cripper goes down. That was that was worrying when you hear Cripper went into the rooms early in, in this game. You're going, oh, God, I'm getting flashbacks. This is not what I want at all. But to then, you know, right all these wrongs, every single one of these mental hurdles that we may have had in past scars of previous seasons against all these teams, how integral do you think it is not only for us to have won in different ways, but 
to have done it against the teams that have haunted us and caused us all the issues previously for this group, like to help our ability to become these mentality monsters and be able to go deep in finals. Is that a significant factor to you? And if we hadn't have maybe overcome a few of these teams, do you think your belief Mm. would, would be as high as it currently is? That's such a good question. I, I think it would be for the group. It definitely is Mm. for me and my ability to have faith in them. I remember, I mean, I've only watched the Richmond round one game last year about 50 times, but the, and they say on the call at the end, like, and Voss's tenure starts with the ending of a streak or whatever. Mm. And that, and that's been like a lot of your and my narrative, Mm. I guess, since then, like all those little things that we get to tick off. Yeah. And you're right. A whole bunch have been ticked off in, in these nine weeks. And now I think it's make finals, which we tick. Mm. And now it's just win a final and then win the grand final. And then I think it's, we can tick them all off. God, would be incredible. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the players in this game that were able to oh, yeah. get us that victory. I know we've talked a lot about the collective and that's probably been the mentality of how things have gone in these nine weeks. But we've got to highlight some players. Who were you impressed with? Oh. What did you love to see? Anything else you want to talk about from this game? We've got time. Let's go for it. So many blokes. And a lot of them are like the guys that you talk about every week. So I'm not going to say Nick Newman first, even though you want to talk about him. So I'll say his partner in crime, Weeders. Like, let's just take ourselves back to where he was at the start of this season to what he's now putting together as like one the most formidable tall defender there is basically. Mm. Yeah. Oh, he's been, he's been ridiculous. And we were talking about it midway through this year, Weeders, where it just, he looked a shell of himself and we were thinking what's going on. Obviously everything, everything's going to get spoken about the, uh, the bank yeah. situation, which obviously that's going to be playing on your mind, but you're just thinking like guy was so good. How does he get this back? And when every single player is seemingly out of form, it almost makes it harder to get everyone back in form because you don't have, if it's one guy out of form, okay, you can get it back. But if everyone is, how do you turn that around? And for him to just, it's almost like the flick of a switch, go to the most informed key defender that is moving the ball better. He's hitting targets. He's taking the marks. He's doing everything down there, marshalling the defense. It's just such a key component to why we've been playing so well and having a guy like him that you can trust to stand up in these big key moments. It's what gets you excited about finals and makes you think you can go all the way when yeah. the team collective is there, but you've got Weedering. You've got Charlie that can kick goals out of nothing. Harry takes the marks and you know he can still kick goals as well. Cripper in the middle, Walsh, Saar. Like literally, there are. this is why you do need stars in your team. Yeah, But then you've just got the belief as well on those other little bit part players, I suppose. And one of them that's maybe been a bit more than a bit part in this run, Paddy Dow. Paddy bloody Dow. <laughs> this guy, fair play to him. He could have easily gone, nah, nah, no point. You guys don't want me. You're not playing me. What's the point? And in a depleted midfield, this guy just, he stands up. He's been in some really good form. And what I've probably enjoyed the most from his last few games in games that we've really needed a win, needed people to stand up 
And, yep. and I'm keen to get your thoughts on this and, and everyone else listening to this, drop your thoughts in the comments on YouTube or socials at Navy Blue Corner. There you go, Lockie. You love the plugs. You're getting them live this time. Thank you. With Paddy Dow. He almost hasn't been playing a ridiculously amazing game. Mm. But then last quarter, games yeah. there to be won, he seems to take his game to another level in those game-winning moments for me. His pressure gets up. Disposal gets up. His little shimmies and shaking of the hips to evade and get that extra half a second space. It seems to be when we need him to do it, he's able to do it. What have you kind of made of Paddy Dow's performances and what do you think it kind of does for our midfield going forward, knowing we've got so many guys to come back? What it does for our midfield moving forward, that is the million-dollar question. I'm Mm. very interested to hear what your perspective is on that. I'm grappling with it. Mm. Um, it almost feels like he's put yeah so many of these games together now that yeah I'm kind of forgetting the the, the previous narrative almost like mm. he's not perfect the deficiencies are still there but my god the man is good at getting the ball moving in our yeah. direction there is no doubt about that like mm. you put him in that CBA if you if you want the clearance and he and he, he'll pretty much make it happen. So, God, I do not know what it looks like. I, I Yeah, we were talking about it with Baz earlier. Mm. There's so many blokes that are, like, deserving of being in this midfield. Yeah. Does Bossy oh. love Dow, finally? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not convinced. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And even though I did ask you the question, and I know you want my answer, might just park slightly the, uh, the team selection chat for a little bit later in this episode because I do want to get into it. Of course. With a little bit more detail, talking about the other midfielders as well. Um, who else did you love from this game? And and what else did you want to chat about as well? Oh, mate. Oh, there's there's too many. I mean, like, Weeders was kind of the other outstanding guy to me for Charlie. Like, like, they're the two that come to mind. I mean, you can talk about... I love that you brought up earlier about how we were talking earlier in the season about who is playing better this season than last year. And it was basically no one. So like, I just want to like call out guys like Motlop, mm. like how reliable he is now at, like he's had, he had, a, had a couple down weeks in this period, but he's so reliable for the pressure and goals now. Yeah. And like Jack Martin's obviously in the same boat with him too. Like mm. almost ready to write him off. Um, yeah. He, we, just, we just look at him in such a different way now. The, the way that he is out there, you know that he's always going to give 110% with his tackling. And and now if he's lining up for goal from from 50 or whatever it is, you feel pretty good that it's going to go bang through the middle. So the the, the forward line is just, mm. you know, there's, there's still room to grow, but it's functioning well. Mm, no, like Motlop has, has come in and just added such a spark to that forward line. He, he's not... I don't think he's going to be that player that for a full game of football is going to be ridiculously involved. He, I feel like he's going to be that moment player yeah. that when he's around the ball, he can just make something out of nothing. And he's just got that goal sense that I think we've spoken about since we started this podcast of can someone in this forward line, when they win the football inside 50, just have the eyes for goals and want to go, okay, let's just take this on. I'll put it on my shoulders. I'm going for the goal because it felt like for years that we were always 
just handballing the ball around. We weren't wanting to take on that moment, but Motlop seems to be that guy that falls in there inside 50, just grabs it and goes, no, I'm going for the goals. I'm taking on the moment. And yeah. like just to touch on the, the energy of the forward line, I feel like this is such a big thing for us and maybe a big strength. We obviously have the loud crowd, even away from home, the traveling faithful were ridiculously loud, came across on the TV. Like it felt oh, like good. we were the home team. But you got guys like Charlie that when he kicks a goal, grabs the jumper, gets excited, apparently told the cheer squad after his first goal to get us get us up and about. You got always does the same, Motlop does it. I think it's just such a big, important thing that we kind of feed off each other and we have maybe these players that understand the crowd, understand the moments and, and just how to fire everyone up. I think that that's a massive, massive part of what's going on right now. And then, as you said, Jack Martin has been absolutely incredible. Like, I mean, yeah, we, you said it. Like, we were riding off Jack Martin. And all of a sudden, he's come in and he just does every little thing. The pressure's probably off him a little bit to perform because everyone else seems to be mm. lifting around him. Yep. But like, just it's the little moments from him that I love. Of I think it was in the last quarter, he's basically tackling one bloke with one arm. Ball goes to the <laughs> yeah, other bloke, no, player, grabs his jumper, rips him down, and it's like this guy just doesn't stop harassing and then he still get, it made me panic when he took that mark and then all of a sudden just played on and went the check side i was like dude just take oh, three seconds but nails it and it's he just casual. it just seems to be doing everything i mean how big do you feel the influence of an informed guy like jack martin is we're finally yeah. seeing what we thought we were getting yeah i mean i think he is just a perfect example of how yeah, it allows this entire team to function well. Mm. Like our the the stars, we need the stars to perform. We need our best mids to be getting the high twenties, low thirties touches. We need Charlie and Harry to be kicking goals, but then we also need the role players to be doing their thing. Mm. We do not need Motlop to be having twenty disposals and ten tackles in this forward line. Like kick a couple goals mm. and do the pressure, and that's like that's like the Cunningham and Fogarty thing. Like that's yeah. why they've been great in this team for this run. Like the guys low low down the pecking order are doing their job. That makes it easier for the top guys. So it's just this perfect function. And, and mm. Martin is well, Martin is a role guy, and if he keeps going in this trajectory, he he can be one mm. of the, the top dogs. Oh yeah, very very important for us in that forward line. Let's go to votes before we get to the R. Uh, Listener questions, because sure. I know there's a lot to get through, and I'm keen to finally get your votes live. Feels like it's been forever. Interested mm. to see if we are in sync on this one. And if you are listening to this right now, if you're on YouTube, drop your votes in the comments. Head over to socials at Navy Blue Corner if you're listening to this in podcast form. Let me know who you thought played well, and let me know your thoughts on some of the individual players, because... There's going to be so much as we head to the selection for the next couple of games. I'm very excited to see and hear how these guys sit for you. But, Lockie, your 3 two, one votes for best on ground in this. Oh, I don't want to you know, mislead the integrity of this award, but I hadn't thought of my one vote until now. It definitely is Charlie 3, Weider yep. and 2. Um, I know this one vote could sway everything, so I'm... I'm Thinking I'm going to go. There's just so many guys this stage. I'll say I want to give Bow one. 
Look at this. The man is not even in the same country, and we're still in sync. This is beautiful. I had the exact same votes there. Yeah, Weeders was Weeders was huge. Um, Kerno obviously best on was just ridiculous. You, you're not. He's going to get the three Brownlow votes. He's a superstar. And then yeah, just thought. Awesome. How we spoke about Dow, but him doing that when a guy like Cripper as well was probably down. Looked like he's battling some Definitely. sort of injury potentially. Looked like he had a big sort of patting on the ribs at that final siren as well. Clearly a little bit, yep. you know, beaten up and bruised after having to carry this club for bloody 10 years. But I thought that, <laughs> that was also a big part of, of why I really uh, like Paddy Dow's game because you needed almost someone else to take the reins and he definitely did that there. But let's head over to the listener questions because you came and had plenty of these. Over on Twitter is where this is, or X, whatever Elon Musk is calling it this week. Ugh. I almost refuse to call it X because I hate nah, it. The logo's we'll go on it's the logo. Have you seen the new logo that's got the like grunge texture on it? I don't know what's yeah. going on. It's like he's 13 years old. Great to see. But Twitter at Navy Blue Corner is where we normally ask for the listener questions. So if you're not on there right now and you want to get your questions in, that's the place to be. If you're on another social media, message us, do whatever you need to do, get your questions in. I'll make sure to check them anyway, but this is where we do the post to get it going. And we'll start off with, of course, it has to be super bad. Talking about Charlie. Kino. Oh, miss you super he's bad. gone big. I may, I maybe need to get him on the pod because he's at least willing to go big and say Charlie Kerno is the best player in the comp. And then he does yeah. ask, do you see him swinging down back in the dying minutes, becoming more of a staple? Oh, I guess it depends what you mean by staple, Superbad. I, God forbid that teams are doing this week in, week out, like trying to win the game in the last minute off us. But it makes sense, I guess. Mm. Like... But uh, I don't know how to answer that question myself. Like, you could see, I'd have faith in someone like TDK going down there and, and being able mm. to do that in a big moment. Hopefully, we're going to get Gov back this week as an interceptor. Mm. I mean, Harry what can't too, do? probably. Chuck Charlie in the ruck. Remember when that was a thing? Why can't you do <laughs> that? Why too? not? Why not at this stage? No, I definitely think it's something that clearly has worked previously, can work now. I don't mind it. It's a different thing to do. He's got mm. the footy smarts. I think just putting an extra behind the ball works. And yeah, oh, why yeah. not? Why not keep trying it if if we have to? Hopefully, fingers crossed, we're not going to need to for the rest of this season because all the wins right. are going to be absolute breeze. Uh, got a good question in here from Cam Dempster who says, do you think the mm. pain and hard times we've endured is going to make this group different to the others around the top? Feel like we could be set wow. for a Richmond-type tilt at it. May not be this year for the whole thing, but I think we'll be a red-hot chance over the next few. Oh, that's incredibly well put. I feel like I feel like he's answered his own question. I feel like that's I feel like that's honestly true. Mm. Yeah, no, it's 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 well well put because when you look at the adversity, yeah. maybe that other teams have had, they just don't have what we have had to endure. And when it is such a mental game, you don't know if that just helps you of, of knowing you can draw from those negative emotions and knowing you don't want to mm. be in that place, having the belief of now that we've seemingly overcome so many of these demons, these mental hurdles, yep. when a lot of the other teams potentially contending right now are either not in the best form or they're just, they haven't done what we've done. And yeah, yep. it just feels like the belief is so high 
that it just gives you the belief. It's such a, it's such yeah. a crazy, crazy thing. Um, I mean, got, if I could add one more point yeah. on it, to be honest. Now, if you think about these teams that we're going to be versing against, they're the ones that have the demons now. Mm. Like, I was chatting to a Collingwood friend the other day, and I was like, oh, imagine if there's a Carlton-Collingwood final. And they're like, I don't want to play Carlton. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, after that last game, I don't want to play you guys. That's mm. Melbourne now have that, that demon. Like, do Brisbane want to play us in a final after all these years of just almost not getting there, losing finals? Like... We're, we're the ones now that get to have our head up. So, mm. ooh, ooh. I love it. Well, we got a good one here from Soj. He asks us, Soj. can Charlie kick 100 this year? <laughs> yeah. What's he on currently? Just quietly. I need to figure this out. I need to know exactly... How close he is. Gee, I actually don't know how to work the AFL website here. I'm so used to the app. I know where everything is on that thing. Trying to have a look here. Okay, he's on 75 goals. Five games to go. Yeah. Jeez. Five five goals a game. Why not? Why not? He's going to kick 10 in the grand final. So, yeah, I reckon he can. Imagine imagine him kicking. Love it. His hundredth Stop it. last kick of the game, win the grand final. That'd be beautiful. Maybe a bit too stressful. I'd like it to be like the sealer. It's like our twenty fifth goal of the game to to win by hundred and fifty points. How good's this? Um, but yeah, why not? Why can't it happen? Mm. Why can't we win the flag? Why can't Charlie kick a hundred? Uh, a lot us? of questions on team selection. So I'll, I'll look at a couple before we jump to that. We've got Oof. a good one here from Clarence Worley who says, who do you want to play in the elimination final? Because this is another oh. big bit of contention. Hard to say until next week, right? I feel like next week mm. we'll, uh, would change our thoughts a bit depending on how we go against the Giants. But I wouldn't mind the Giants. Mm. It feels as if an interstate team is maybe more ideal just right. because you, you get that slight advantage. If... You know, particularly a team like a GWS, you know, we get the home final yeah. at the G. There's going to be about two GWS supporters there, so they're not going to make any noise. Does that play yeah. a massive part in this getting us over the line, knowing how big the crowd is, talking about the energy between the forward line and the crowd before? Yeah. I don't know. It's we were talking oh, to Baz about this in WhatsApp, talking about who we want, and we all kind of had the same thought. And I, yeah. again, I want to know what everyone listening to this is thinking. Drop it in the comments at Navy Blue Corner. Let us know who you want us to play because it kind of is that it almost doesn't matter who we play. No, nah, truly, truly. It's, it's, there's so much more belief in what we're doing than me being nervous about what another team is doing. I think Baz nailed it when he said the only teams he'd probably feel nervous about playing is a Port or Brisbane away, but that's yeah. not going to happen for this first game. I just kind of back us in really, to, to have an awful fence-it answer. I, I don't know. I, I probably, I'll say, I'll say GWS, and maybe this will yeah. come back to haunt me. So touch wood. But when I maybe look at the other teams there, maybe there's a little less, greater number of those real match winners that can really turn it on. Like they got Toby oh. Green, they've also got some other really good players, but 
I don't know. Like, obviously, doggies aren't playing good football, but you got Bont in there. They've got so many big key forwards and, and things like that. Yeah. It's just a bit of a worry. Sydney's got some talent, so maybe maybe a GWS will go that. But we'll see what happens when we play him this week, 100%. And then, yeah, basically, apologies for not answering these questions directly, but basically every single question is saying, who comes in, who gets dropped, oh. are we resting players, what are we doing? So let's move straight to a bit of a bit of a match builder, talking about the GWS game, because the big chatter yes. at the moment is should we rest any players? Our position in finals is confirmed. Spot on the ladder, who we're playing is all up for <laughs> change, I guess subject to change. But we're playing finals, so it doesn't matter. So what are your kind of thoughts on resting mm. players and, and who would you be looking at giving that week off if you're in charge of the selection? Well, I'm going to be bold here and say that I think that you and I are going to agree on this. I think so. I am very for resting guys if they need it. Yes. Patrick Cripps needs it. <laughs> oh, boy, does he. <laughs> And I totally disagree with people saying, I've seen multiple tweets of people saying, rest Charlie next week. Mm. Charlie, I do not agree with that. Charlie seems to me fine. Mm. That's, we, we're not, I am not resting players like, okay, let's just make sure that all our good players don't get injured next week. It's not about that. Weeders, Charlie, Saad, Newman, they're all all out, not playing. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's like if Cripps plays again next week and he's therefore even more sore and then what, he misses a final? Or like what what are we doing here with that? Yeah. Um, And then the other thing, I guess, just on the selection part, which is like the other flip side Mm. of this, is seeing some people being like, oh, well, why would you bring Walsh? Chair it back now. Why would you risk them before a final? I don't really agree with that either. Like if they're ready to go, they're mm. ready to go. Get a, get some time into them rather mm. than being like, here you go. Yeah, it's been over a month, but go for it. God, we are just so aligned. I love it. I absolutely love it because I agree with you. I think that resting players, it's a if they need it, if they're. Because everyone at this stage of the season is carrying something, but some are carrying something more than others. And Paddy Cripps looks so beaten up right now. Obviously went into the rooms at some stage throughout that game. Who -hmm. knows what niggle he's got, but he's clearly playing with something out there. And so guys like him, maybe a guy like Doherty that had like the corky the week before, that he looks pretty beat up, playing a lot more midfield minutes than maybe he, he has previously Apart from those two, I'm not sure who else is is maybe struggling. Like, I don't know, do you, with knowing Martin's injury history, is he someone that you go, okay, take a rest? But it again, it goes to the point that you're kind of making in, you don't just want to rest someone because you're worried about them getting injured because yeah. injuries are going to happen right. to anyone at any time. You cannot control what happens. And I think just resting plays because you're worried they'll get injured like you just can't control that, so don't worry. And then don't go the other way of, oh, we've played Charlie and God forbid something did happen and he misses a final. Yeah. Because you just anything could happen. He could have not played Enjoy. and he trips down the stairs of the stadium. And who knows? So, you know, like yeah. literally anything could happen. So I think worrying about whether they do or don't get injured is silly. And then talking about the guys Great. coming in, I think these players need touch more than anything else. 
it doesn't seem as if we would be bringing in a Walsh chair and McGovern just for the sake of they need a game and they're not yeah. ready to go. It would definitely be, you no, know, these guys, they're 100% fit. They're ready to go, but they do need some football. And it makes the decision of maybe a guy like a Cripps, a guy like a Doherty, a bit easier to, to rest when you know you've got Walsh, Chera, even potentially a Kennedy, all these midfielders coming in that mm-hmm. do need a game. It's sort of a like-for-like like that can work really well and still allow a guy like Paddy Dow that's been playing some really good football to continue <laughs> to get his opportunity and and rightfully have another game of football. And it's going to yeah. be very, very interesting. So if I can put you on the spot, yes, who out of these players that are potentially coming back in, if all fit, would you be playing? And do you have some early oh. shouts, discussions for guys that could come out? I know it's it's... It's yeah. hard to have that discussion. We haven't necessarily fully fleshed out the ideas around it. And mm. you'll hear me talking about selection on the selection yes. table on Pommy and Oz on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Big couple of weeks coming up on that show because we'll be talking about this game. We'll be talking about the final. So many players coming in. Players have to come out of this team. It's going to be some hard discussions, but some good debates and hopefully plenty of different perspectives. I'm keen to hear what everyone's thinking. We'll put our big brains together and hopefully come up with a really good solution. (laughs) But early, I guess, evaluation on this, early analysis, what are you looking at? Well, I'll be just watching the selection table so I can, I can give, I can give my thoughts on this, but yeah, it's, um, I'll be tuning in because I'm, a bit stumped. Yeah. I think apologies for the sirens going past. <laughs> They're coming to get him. Get They're making sure he's uh, not allowed to come back. Yeah, They've heard he's back on the podcast. They're going, hey, Lockie, you're not coming back into the country. We're locking you up. Stay as far away from the Carlton Footy Club as possible. <laughs> oh, my God. Literally, literally. I want to hear your opinion on um, Gov mm. Marchi. Yeah. Can they be in the same team? Is or who's in the pecking order higher mm. for you? They have shown that they can be in the same team. I do feel, however, that we maybe function a little bit better with just the three tools. Me too. Weedering, Kemp, definitely. Kemp again just yes. plays pretty well. Apart from, look, and the only other thing I'll comment on this Gold Coast game is I don't know who was on Sexton. I don't know who was on Swallow, but mm. goodness me. We need to sort whatever that was out. Those I didn't know this bloke was still out there kicking a football, and all of a sudden he's kicked about four or something goals on us. I'm going, what is happening? He's kicked like four, three. Since when was this guy streaming into a forward line? But uh, March Bank, as much as it pains me to say it, McGovern's a better footballer. Me too, I agree. What he brings, not only intercept defensive work, but it's his disposal and transitioning the ball for us. I've liked us using Fisher almost as a way of, it's almost that, I hate saying it, but like the money ball version of how do you replace McGovern? You do it with two different players. You go, okay, Marchbank is the more defensive key defender, but you bring in Fisher to distribute the ball and work with the transition ball use mm. that I guess a Gov would be using from D50. I think Gov's a better player. I think he's, I think he's in there and unfortunately... I like the mix with a few more smalls. So I would probably be doing Gov for March Bank, which is very stiff, but tough decisions have to be made. We want our best team out there. 
and I think that that's it. This week, I would also be going um, Walsh and Chera in for Cripps and Doherty. I think that that's just for those guys that I'd be resting. Don't know what's going on with Silvani. I I don't know if he ended up getting injured in the twos. I didn't really watch it. Didn't really get confirmation on that. Haven't heard anything come out about that so far. I know Vossi doesn't seem like Pitto will come out. I think he said he's like first on the buddy team sheet. He's in every single week, which is surprising because I like what DeConing does more in the ruck. I like Silvani is the second, like him in the forward line. So that would be my move, Silvani in for Pitt. Even if maybe you don't think Silvani is the guy, Pitt just doesn't look fit at all. He's not moving around the ground well. So I don't know if he just needs some time. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. There was a couple of moments. The ball was near him and he just didn't go for it. It was, I don't know if he got hit or something because he seemed to bend over and maybe grab his knee or something at one stage. And the ball was in that Gold Coast forward line. Ball's Mm. genuine like a meter away. And he just sort of stood there, didn't go for it, didn't put in any pressure. And that worries me, particularly Mm. in finals. And it's tough though, because you do have that, obviously that one week break after the GWS game. So there is time for some of these guys to rest and recuperate. The tough part of the team selection for this coming week would be Kennedy and Boyd for me. Because yeah. right now, uh, I don't know where Kennedy fits because, and to go for discussion for the week after for the first final, as good as Kennedy's been this year, when I think he was one of our better midfielders along with Chera during our down run of form, Yep, I think with Cripps, with the rest of that midfield, it's only one of Kennedy or one of Hewitt for me right now with the mix that we have. And Hewitt's kind of taken his spot and played really good football. Oh, he was great. So I'm not sure that Kennedy goes straight back into this team as much as at times I think we miss Kennedy's ability to mark the ball. He's so tough and there's so many moments where you just need like, I'll hat kick it to you. And I know you've got three guys on you, but I just need this mark from you. And he seems to pull Mm -hmm. that off. Something Mm -hmm. that I guess Hewitt doesn't have. Kennedy can kick goals, which Hewitt doesn't have, but... I don't know. I don't know if you can make that switch with, with how clean Hewitt's been playing. And so where do you see the, the Kennedy Hewitt, de- yeah. I guess, debate conundrum? And do you think you can play too? Is there anyone else you'd maybe move away? <laughs> What's your kind of feelings on this so far? We're very much on the same page. Um, far out. The other guy that I'll chuck into the mix with you is Fogarty. He's another yeah, one that... True. Forgot about Fogarty, actually. He's around it. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, it's. I'm trying to, like, not let this bias in my head of the fact that I just haven't watched Kennedy for a while mm. and trying to, like, take myself back to how actually impactful he was because he should be a best 22 player, but he's not high in that midfield hierarchy. Mm. mm. Oh, it's really tough. Like, would you rather have him or Cunningham in the forward line? Oh, probably Cunningham. Same. Weirdly. And like Cunningham's another one that maybe hasn't even played that well over the last few weeks. The one thing that, and I was saying this on the selection table last week, and it's probably where my brain will go when I'm making my team selection is what can you bring that no one else on this team brings? 
Yeah. What's your point of difference is, is probably where I'm looking at when I'm comparing a few of these players because that's where yeah. I unfortunately, not this week, but maybe in a few weeks, a guy like Cottrell potentially makes way because yeah. while he's he's decent on the wing and he, he's, he's, adding, he's, he's been playing decent football, I thought he played quite well against Gold Coast. There was a few real incredible efforts of him just running his bloody ass off across the field to, to make things happen for us, chasing one way and then going forward the other. But he's, there's other guys I prefer in the forward line. There's other guys I prefer in the wing. I probably prefer yeah. a Hollands. I prefer a Doherty if he gets squeezed out, which is another question a listener had was, where does Doherty sit in this team than when we get a <sighs> midfield back in? For me, the Doherty is I prefer him on the wing. So that maybe yeah. takes out a Cottrell rotation I've said a lot of times on the selection table, Cottrell's my ideal sub because he was so yeah. good. I think last year as the sub and adds just complete energy work rate. And I think that that's something exciting to use rather than a big bodied midfielder actually use the sub in a tactical way to change the game, add some pace and a Cunningham to go back to what I was talking about. Cause I've, completely gone no. off track there. But the it. point of difference that Cunningham has is that cleanness around the contest. When you just need someone to pick the ball up, he has it and tends to use it well. But his position isn't necessarily safe because he maybe hasn't had the impact. And now you're looking at a guy like Fogarty that has kicked goals. He's put the pressure on there. But you can't drop Motlop. Exactly. You can't drop Owies. Can't drop Martin on form. Do you rest one of those and give Fogarty a go? It's nope. it's so hard. I've loved what Fogarty's offered, but does he come in over someone else right now? I don't know. I don't know. But maybe he's that guy that yeah. gave us yeah. that work rate, gave us the hunting and tackling pressure that when he wasn't there and there was an absence of a Fogarty type caused the start of the game. Not to pin it down on one person, mm. but does, does that element change anything? Um yeah, do you, do you yeah. have much thought on on that forward line? Ah, oh, the forward line. Yeah. Oh my god. Paul Durden as well. It's there's yes. just so many guys uh, I'd love to be mm. in this in this team. That I'm just not. Gonna, I'm just not there. Mm. Um, no, I think you absolutely nailed the the forward line stuff. I think. Yeah, I'm the same. That's why I'm trying to like, like you know that Kennedy's going to give us twenty plus disposals. But is bringing him in for someone like Cunningham, yeah, is that what we need? Do we need more mm. guys just winning a ton of the ball? Or do we need the guys that seemingly whenever Cunningham gets the ball, something impactful happens? Yeah. So, yeah. And then I guess to go full circle to your original question with Boyd, I, I, I don't have him above any of the current mm. small, medium defenders in the team. I don't think, even though they're, they're very different, I don't think you can take Fisher out for him with how he's gone these past three weeks. It's just, that's just not a thing. Mm. Oh, ridiculous. Like what I'm trying to get the stats up here. Fish had what 28 touches and he was just all over it as as well. Just everywhere he needed to be every single time. He did have the pressure when you needed it was rebounding. He's got that extra bit of foot skill that I guess Boyd's still probably better by foot, but it's not like Fish has been playing bad and been using the ball no. poorly. And and right now, he's adding a different dynamic where when we have struggled a little bit with transition where we've needed someone to change the game, move the ball for us, seems to have been the guy to yep. do it. And he's kind of – it's that unfortunate, unlucky thing right now where if you're out for injury, suspension, whatever it is, 
mate, it's hard to get back in. Once you've given up your spot, mm. you don't just get it back. Someone else is going to earn it. And, and Fish has been playing so well. It was tremendous again in this game. There was that moment where he almost has that running goal. It was yep. flashbacks of the Sydney game, flashback of the Richmond game. And I thought, gee, if he kicks this, we're, <sighs> we're home. It's done. He misses and you go, damn it, I've wanted him to have that moment. Um, and then yeah. you know, even, even talking about the back line, like, I do love Boyd. Does he come in for maybe a Ching Cotter who hasn't played? It may be amazing in the, in the last two weeks. Yeah. I probably still have Ching Cotter over Boyd because I like Me too. his run. And then lastly on Fish, I just think that the ability with a Doherty now that you've kind of got maybe pushed out a bit in the midfield who can still go back into defense, it just adds maybe a bit more versatility which could be good in a final when games are tight, when you need to change something up if something's not working. You've got the ability to, okay, Doc's in the midfield. Okay, Doc's on a wing. Doc's in defense. Fisher, you started in defense. Okay, you go onto a wing. We need you in the midfield. We need you down forward. Whereas maybe a guy like a Boyd, he's kind of just defense. Like you could potentially play him on the wing, but it's not somewhere he's played a lot. For Carlton, I know he did a little bit in in the Footscray VFL team, but as far as any time recently, it hasn't been his role. Mm. So I think Fish is above it for me just on that versatility factor that we may need come finals. And then to talk on Doc, where do you see him with the midfield coming in? Far out. I I really like the idea of us being able to have like a, a lot of guys being able to go through the midfield. So like mm. him, I, I, I like your thoughts on of him being like a, I guess, yeah, primarily wing that can also have some mm. CBAs. But it's just, there's just no way he can get as many CBAs as he has been getting yeah. um, in the first week of the final with the amount of guys that are there. Mm. Like we're not, you can't play Hewitt anywhere else. We're not, no. we're never going to play Crips anywhere else. It's, and it would be Walsh, I guess, is the guy. Mm. If you're like, well, let's put him somewhere different, like that forward role that he was kind of doing or something. Mm. But, so I think I like your wing, your wing tag. Yeah, 100%. Uh, well, that's just about all I wanted to discuss. I do have one more question, though. How, How the fuck do you get finals tickets? I've never got this far. I don't oh, know how to do it. God, how I do we do it, Lucky? I don't know how to do it. I haven't been here. Earlier. I don't know this. <laughs> Oh, it's I might have to shoot him an email or something. I, I uh, yeah. imagine if we miss out. <laughs> I was, I was joking to a mate that like, I wonder if you, you know, you email Carlton just being like, so what's the go with finals tickets? And Carlton go, oh shit, we don't even have like the the ticket tech account for finals. We don't have access. <laughs> we didn't get dust off the old dust off the old uh, compu- home computer. We'll get that connected to to dial up and we'll get her booted up and we'll, we'll get back onto finals. Cause we haven't done this in a long time, but no, it was my, it was funny. It was my first Love. thought of, well, I, I actually don't know the situation on, on how you do it, which is bizarre. It's stupid, but it just shows you how long it's been. And it's just, it's, it's comedy, but at least it's good because we've made finals. Uh, Lockie, yeah. is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Anything else you wanted to talk oh. about or, or reflect on from, the torture of the midway point of this season to now and, and your enjoyment of football before we wrap this episode up. Are you going to the game on Sunday? 
certainly Sunday. I think it's like 6, 10 p.m. on a Sunday right. night. Prime time football. Yeah. Hopefully they actually have some trains running. I reckon by the time the game finishes, <laughs> it'll be like, there's nothing from Southern Cross, Cross to get me home at that stage. <laughs> I can't remember if you've talked about this on the podcast, but do you have a take on like round 24 scheduling? Like, would you be for, you know, the old Ooh. play a bunch of games at the same time? I don't, I don't think you've spoken about this. No, we haven't spoken about it. I, as a massive, massive fan of the English Premier League, I love the idea yeah. of everything happening at once. It'd be an absolute, I don't know, like logistical yeah. nightmare. One for all the channels to get it done, all the stadiums. It would just be yeah. absolute mayhem not sure it would be even a possible but it would be exciting i don't think the afl would do it because you want to maximize the revenue of each individual game and the tv side to that so i don't feel like it's something they would do but could you imagine if like there's four games all getting played at the same time sunday afternoon all of them are for a spot in finals and you're flicking on the channel or you can press red and you've got four boxes of each individual game playing at once. I just think it'd be insane. Like it would be mm. ridiculous just for the, just for the spectacle for sure. What do you reckon? Is it something that you'd be interested in? Um, oh my God. Yes. Of course. It's something that I would like to see. I think we've, we've spoken about our like displeasure with how the rolling mm. rolling is not the right word. The delayed fixture releases yeah. this year and how that's worked. Um, and I hope that they dish that. But I am in favour of them playing with the last round. But, but it, it still hasn't even really worked out that well because it's been a bit of an anticlimax no. this year with um, <laughs> the Bulldogs and the whole Sydney issue. But I, I'm I'm for kind of changing up the last round of the mm. season timing and scheduling-wise to make it a, a bigger spectacle because, yeah, yeah it's uh, I oh. think that's a good little wrinkle to it. It's just so good to sit here knowing this game against GWS. Oh, no. No stress. No stress at all. We've, we've had this massive run. So many of these games from this nine-week stretch, particularly the last three or four, have just been so stressful. I am due a nice, <laughs> relaxing day at the football where I can put my feet up and not have to worry about anything. It's going to be incredible. Will and I'll you, tell you what, like, Will you? <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. I'll probably still find a way know. to get stressed when it's close. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but at least I know it's not finals and heartbreak riding on the result, which will be nice <laughs> for once. True. True. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Can't wait. But, Oof. mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on. It's been great to talk to you for an hour and a half, talking about the baggers next time. I think I've got you on the podcast. You will be back in Melbourne, back in Australia to catch up and talk about it. I tell you what, we're doing finals content, mate. This feels incredible. The match build up for finals is going to be the same. We're going to have to think of something to do to make it even more Mm -hmm. exciting. But Lockie, thanks so much for for taking time out of your holiday to jump on and chat the baggers with me. It's been so much fun. And I'm just so happy that we're able to actually – Enjoy the experience together. It's been it's been unbelievable. I love that you called it a, a diary earlier because I definitely when we win that flag, I'll be reflecting on yes, this entire podcast and the journey that we've been on. 
Um, my finals plans are pitching a tent at Icon for the entire week before and just sleeping there and just being near the home. So feel free to swing by the tent anytime and we can do whatever content you want to do. Oh, I love it, mate. And i tell you what, if we win the grand final, I will certainly be pitching a tent. But that's going to wrap up this episode here with Blues have <laughs> won nine in a row. We've made finals, first time in 10 years. Unbelievable. Let's go on and win a bloody grand final. Why not? Why not us, Lockie? Enjoy the rest of your holiday. See you soon. Up the bloody baggers. See you guys next time.